hath saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. All right, we are back, and uh, Daniel's calling back in, so here's part two. Jim Tan Laundry, every time. <laughs> All right, continue, my man. Welcome back. Beyond a reasonable doubt, like the criminal system, it's clear and convincing evidence. So all I have to do 
that convinced the judge. You don't get a jury trial. Wow. And I don't have to prove anything. I just have to say you did it. And this has been done over and over and over. And I know multiple guys here who are sitting here completely innocent of any crime. They didn't go through the criminal justice system. They went to the civil court system. And they're here for, quote, treatment, unquote. And there is no treatment. It's all a sham. It's a prison building housing up to 750 men locked up in the system. And 12% of those men are innocent of any crime, and not a single one of them are here for any crime either. So I kind of want to clarify that. They have crimes. Okay, some of them have a large 80-something have crimes. Mm-hmm. But when they went to court for this, nobody said, hey, these guys are criminals. They need to be locked up here. That They would have lost the case. They said they're mentally ill. They need to be locked up. Wow. That's how they got them. And the standard for mental illness is extremely low. Wow. Oh, my gosh, man. This is so mind-blowing because everything, you know, this is so similar to the CPS crimes that we hear about and how well-organized the people are in that place, whether it's the judge, the the caseworkers, and so on, like how interconnected they are and how organized they are to be able to, well, get what they want done. And it's typically not in the favor of the public or the people, the parents. And this sounds very similar to what you know you're, you guys are going through, even though it's a different situation for the most part. It is, it's troubling. And then, of course, we have all the other people, the elite and the ruling class in this country and around the world that are doing the very things and worse that the people there where you are, are accused of. And it's so, it's so disgusting to me. And the thing that I like about you a lot, Daniel, is that you didn't say, well, I'm innocent. Like you admitted to what you did. And mind you, it's not near as bad as some of the other things that we've heard about, but you've given your life to the Lord. You serve, you serve the Lord behind bars in a shadow prison and you're fighting the fight for the rights of other people, believers and non-believers alike. So I'm amazed how you've taken such a gross mis, mis, a gross injustice that you've experienced, and yet you've found a way to make purpose out of it. And I think it's really, really beautiful, and it and it's very, very powerful. So I want to commend you for that because that can't be easy for you.
consequences for those choices. Sure. So when I went, eventually went to prison for fourth degree criminal sexual conduct for grabbing a nine-year-old girl's butt without her consent, or without, there's no consent to that, excuse me, but <laughs> so I was drunk and I did something stupid, yeah. but I got caught and I went to prison for it, I didn't, I didn't cause a, a, a fuss about it, I didn't appeal it, I didn't complain about it, I right. did my time and that was it, I've never fought the system just to fight the system. I only fought the system when I was right and the system was wrong. And this is this is that time. This is absolutely wrong. It's not American. It's immoral. I'll fight it. And if I commit a crime, I'll do the time for it. I have no problem with that. This I got a problem with. Yeah. And I want to add something to this. I, mean, I know I tend to go on and on. So interrupt me if you need to. Uh, I want to touch on something that Russ and I, I hope you guys get to talk to Russ here soon. He's on a visit and he plans on calling you a little later. Um, and then you guys can kind of see his perspective of this. But I want to point something out that's a little bit different than what I've talked about before. Um, so this whole system falls under what's called the Minnesota Commitment and Treatment Act which is codified at Minnesota Statute 253D. And it's Minnesota's version of what is known nationally as sexually violent predator laws, or SVP laws. There, there are 20 other states, including Minnesota, that have SVP laws. The American Psychiatric Association is vigorously opposed to these laws for the reasons I've stated. They're not psychiatrically sound. They're locking up people who are not sex offenders and they're locking up people who are not mentally ill. The 30 states that don't have these laws actually have lower rates of sexual violence in those states. So there's this argument out there that we know this is illegal, but is it protecting the public? That's what people want to know. The answer is absolutely not. There is no justification for it. The 30 states that do not have SVP laws have have lower recidivism, excuse me, I think the word recidivism, have lower sexual offense rates than Minnesota, which has this extremely expensive, uh, extremely ineffective program that houses people before they've committed a sex crime. Not after, before. And it doesn't work. It's not effective. Eric Janis is the former president and dean of Mitchell Hamlin School of Law in Minnesota. He's the leading expert on sex offender policy in the state of Minnesota. And I want to read a quote from him. He says, quote, there is no observable correlation between having an SVP law and greater safety. Do not spend money on these programs. Figure out other ways of using your resources to fight sexual violence, unquote. The FCT Act, Minnesota Commitment and Treatment Act, it employs institutionalized treatment, that is to say a treatment that houses individuals in a secure facility. Tens of thousands of individuals who receive this treatment are actually being made worse rather than better. And that's according to a study out of, I think, Brooklyn. I've got the citation here, so I don't need to read that. Look, this stuff is all over the internet, you guys can find it very easily. <laughs> um, the program in Minnesota costs $100 million every year to keep this 
program running, even though it's not effective in preventing sexual assault. And Russ and I advocate for the reallocation of the $100 million to programs like Minnesota Coalition Against Sexual Assault and Stop It Now. These are two programs we've been studying for a while now, and we're pretty impressed by them. NICASA um, has been up to 88% effective in preventing sexual assault, whereas SVP laws are less than 1%. So there's a very, very small, minuscule piece of evidence that says this might be helping a little bit, because we are locking up a lot of people with criminal records, and some of those people might be apt to commit another crime. Hmm. But it's like it's like less than 0.5. It's pretty pretty small. Now, if that was the only program, if that was the best we could do in our society, I'd say throw all the money you can at it. It's worth it. You know, if we can protect one child or one uh, female from being raped or whatever, then it's worth it. A lot of collateral damage. A lot of people get locked up that shouldn't, but it's worth it. I would say that. But we have programs that are 88 percent effective. Right. Why don't we put our money there? It doesn't make sense. This law is putting Minnesotans at risk of being sexually assaulted because we're taking money away from programs that are 88% effective and giving it to programs that are less than 1% effective. So Minnesota is more dangerous than it would otherwise be if we put the money in the right place. Repealing this law is the safest thing we could do in Minnesota. Wow. It, it's mind-blowing that we would spend that kind of money on something that is proven to not work. Mm -hmm. wow. When we have programs that do work, that don't house people unconstitutionally for 30, 40, 50 years, it's not necessary. If it was, I'd say do it. It's not. So to protect Minnesotans from being sexually assaulted, I say that we have to end this and put $100 million towards the programs that are effective. Wow. What, what are the, when, when do you think, or do you even think about this, that you're going to get out? Oh, that's a great question, man. Um, been here five years, I'm 35 years old. I have a wife and a 10 year old daughter. I had a career. I was a block layer, I was a construction worker, I was good at it. I, you know, those are things I can't even think about. I, on a day-to-day -day basis, I, you know, I've been in prison with lifers who have a chance of parole. You have one minute remaining. I have been with the guys that have had a chance at parole after 30 years, and they think about their, their wife and their children, and their career, they think about that because there's a chance of seeing it. I don't even have space in my mind for that because I have to first get the heck out of here. Oh, so man. it's a different world and even a life in prison is different because we don't have a chance of getting out. So that's a hard question. Yeah. Well, brother, I know that time is wrapping up, but I just wanted to tell you that we are praying for you and Pray that there's a solution. Stay in touch with me. Let me know when you have an update again. And you, I don't mean to cut you off, but do you mind if I call one more time? Actually, I can't. Okay. So I.
but I do appreciate, I, I, we can do this again another time, of course, um, just not able to right now. Thank you for using GTL. Yep. Wow. I can't even imagine. Um, such a very strange thing to even imagine. Like the only way I can picture it is movies. And, you know, who knows how realistic that is. I uh, would like to ask, because I, again, whether this is the first time you've heard any of Daniel's story or you've seen the other two broadcasts that go into more depth of what's going on, um, you know, pray for him, please, because he's, <laughs> I can't imagine what he's going through. Um, I always think of Shawshank, what is it, Shawshank Redemption, that movie, and when Andy goes into the hole. That's in that I can't imagine what was going through Andy's mind. And, you know, this is essentially the same situation. It's just heartbreaking. And here it is, you know, I can get frustrated and ungrateful for the, the troubles and struggles that I have in my own life and that, you know, things aren't exactly the way I want them to be. And then I talk to Daniel or my friend Tom or other people and just hearing what they go through. Man, I'm so fortunate. Um, wow. Anyway, thank you so much uh, for listening. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> 